So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, I'm Miss H, and today Mr. O and I will be discussing Season 3, Episode 3 of Love During Guaca. On this episode, Brittany confronts Andy over his questioning parenting, Jade and Chris talk things out and make up, Letitia consults a lawyer about Keith's involvement with her business, Brittany is late to her video visit with Kira, Renika has words with her family about her move to be closer to Asante, and we meet Savannah, who is desperate to get engaged to her prison boo Jake, even though he has given that a hard pass. If you like what you hear, give us a rating, and if you watch 90 Day Fiancé, check out our other podcast channel, 90 Day MK, Teachable Moments with Miss H and Mr. O. Thanks and enjoy. Hello, Miss H. Hello, Mr. O. How are things going with you? Uh, kind of sad. My summer break is almost at an end. A whopping 10 days of summer vacation I got this year. Uh, yeah. Start work again on Tuesday. Yeah, I'm bummed about it too because I made plans to come out there and see you on Wednesday. I'm still coming, yeah. but like you weren't supposed to be working the first time. No, I wasn't <laughs> like, supposed to be plans. working. Like that's what I get for switching a job that has a different school year. So, uh-huh. uh, so sad. But speaking of sad, let's jump into our first couple of the week, which is Andy and Brittany. So Brittany calls Andy saying that they needed to talk. Brittany said she was blindsided and feels lied to about his relationship with his kids. Brittany says that the kids said that they were abandoned, and Andy just says, nah. And Brittany says that how can she trust him with taking care of her kids when his kids feel that they were abandoned? Andy feels like he's being attacked and asks, what does she want? Brittany tells him that she doesn't think he should visit her this weekend because her kids are going to be there, and maybe it's for the best if he doesn't meet them. Brittany thinks that he avoids problems, and she's not even sure she wants to be in this relationship. Andy is getting mad and frustrated, so he starts kicking around things that were on his outside steps. Andy Mm -hmm. says that he may not have been completely truthful. Brittany says that he portrayed himself as the Brady Bunch dad. Andy says that the divorce was stressful, and he would occasionally leave for a few days to clear his head, and he didn't even know that his kids felt abandoned. Brittany and Andy both accuse the other of wasting each other's time. She tells him he is an example of why she doesn't trust cops and she hangs up. <laughs> All right. So you have been through a divorce with children. Um, yeah. I'm sure it wasn't as stressful as Andy's because obviously there's. Yes. You my know, ex for all the things she did, she did not. She did not leave me for a drug addict. Mm-hmm. Yes, and you <laughs> like, never had full custody where they were dependent on you solely because your partner was unable to. Correct. But did you ever feel so stressed that you just needed to leave for a couple of days? Like, I don't know. <sighs> How do you think the kids would have felt if you were just like, oh, sorry, I just need to peace out for a couple of days here, stay at grandma and grandpa's? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's – I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like, um, no, yes and no at the same time. Like, yeah, definitely stressful and definitely you need your time to yourself as an adult. Right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, th- I had the situation where I had joint custody. Right? right. So we could go back and forth. But it's one thing to be like, I don't know. I feel like you do it a little bit better for your couple days. Not just like, where's dad? Oh, where did he go? Oh, when's he coming back? I don't know. As much as it's like, oh, I actually have this weekend planned and I'm going to go – I'm going to go away for the weekend. You guys are going to stay with grandma and grandpa. You know, I think – and I think it's something different where I think he just fucked Peaced off. out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, and they're like, where's dad? When's he coming back? What's going on? And the grandma was like, I don't know. 
I'll let you know when I get a hold of him. And that that does feel more like abandonment, even if it's like one day. However, I don't believe him that it was one day. Oh, I don't either. I absolutely don't believe him that it was because, I mean, he started off with it's not like I left for a couple months or even a couple of weeks. So to me, it's like, OK, so yeah. maybe a week. <laughs> right, right. And I, I mean, I and I got the impression from the girls. They literally said last time. Like and he's like I had no idea they felt I that I abandoned them. And whereas like last episode we heard the girls say something like you were gone for a year. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. And, and I think it's also different too because at, at the time he was like an an over road trucker, right? And so I think I think in reality what probably happened is he probably had like you know, a, a week long trip, like, tr- you know, road trip where he was gone trucking, mm-hmm. came back, was like, I need to, I need to break. I, I can't do it. I needed to do, unload and do whatever I did. Took a week to do that. And then went on another week trip. And all of a sudden he was like, well, I was, I was only gone for a week. You know, I only, I only pieced out for a week. I didn't piece out for three weeks or a month. And the girls are like, no, you were literally gone for a month, but because you were working, because I see that as a super common thing from, Men that kind of get disinterested in their families, women as well, but it tends, you know, as things tend to go, tend to be like, they don't want to go home. They don't really want to be around their family. And so what do they do? Do they just fuck off to the bar or fuck off over else? Or do they, or do they, oh, I had to work late. I was sorry. I just, I was working. You can't blame me for working. Right. 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 Cause that's like your get out of jail free kind of situation. Yeah, I kind of um, feel like if there was more communication about what he was doing exactly, they would have felt less abandoned. Like Mm -hmm. if they said, oh, you know, like I'm going to be on this work trip. I'm sorry. We need the money. I think they I would hope even as maybe they wouldn't understand at the time, but at least when they were a little bit older and they are, they're not like young right now. They're Mm -hmm. like teenagers like close to 18. Like you would think that at least now they could look back on it and be like, yeah, that really sucked. Dad wasn't around all the time, but I understood that he was trying to provide for the family and we had a unique set of circumstances that this was kind of the best way or at least, you know, rationalize. But I feel like they weren't communicated with. They were just like, oh, dad's gone. When's he coming back? We're not sure. Why is he gone? Uh, we think work, but we're not sure, you know, yeah. and if he comes <laughs> right. back and doesn't tell them where he was, you know, and just I think even for kids, you know, because time is like just so different for them. Right. Their sense of time is so different from them, even if it is a couple days to them, that feels like an eternity. Mm-hmm. Well, especially when it especially when it feels like to them and especially the littler the kids are, mm-hmm. the more it matters. It feels like to them like, oh. Yeah, they understand when you had stuff you had to do, right? They may understand. They more understand when you're like, I have to do this thing. I need it so we can think. What they don't understand is when they feel like that thing is over and you didn't like immediately as fast as you can come back and saw saw them as quick as you can. I got back as quick as I could. I tried as much as I can versus like maybe you come home for a minute and you're like, uh, I'm going to leave again. Like, bye. Like, you know, they don't feel like you don't make them feel like while you were gone, they were missed. Right. Or were a priority to you at the time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I I don't know. I have to agree with Brittany's kind of assessment of the situation. Um, Andy was certainly trying to make himself seem a certain way. But I think that's also just like people in general. Right. When they're dating, they want to 
uh, come off a certain way so that way they look good to a potential partner because you're not attracting anyone, especially a mother uh, with, oh, yeah, I abandoned my children. I don't give a yeah. shit what they feel about, you know, if I was there or not. I'm going to prioritize like working and other stuff over them, you know, so I I agree with Brittany's assessment. And I think I think he was. Oh, so I make one mistake and that's it. It's over. And it's like you fundamentally lied about what your life was like for the past yeah. 20 years. That's yeah. not one little mistake. Like to the point where he's like, well, you're just asking me, you're being ridiculous and asking me to be perfect and stuff. And it's like, that's not like what's going on here. <laughs> like, no. You are, and and stop kicking your laundry into the dirt. <laughs> Did you just watch that? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I just, that whole thing is just like, Andy, I think, is the trash person of this couple. Uh-huh, for At sure. least as far as we see right now. Absolutely. I think the fact that Brittany cared that, you know, the parenting part was mm-hmm. so important to her, I think that already elevates her above him. You right. know, because we've seen plenty of, you know, parents get released from prison where it's like their child is an afterthought, you know, like thinking of like the destinies and like, you mm-hmm. know, that you're just like, oh, they had children. I had no idea you had five kids. We've like never heard you talk about them or see them, you right. know, but then you get like ones like Sarah where, you know, their uh, child means a lot more to them. And I feel like for Brittany, like this, this matters to her. And actually thinking about Sarah, I think that's one of the things that appealed to her about Sean was that, you know, he had all these kids. So she's like, oh, he's a dad. He knows he knows the drill. Right. But that was also somebody who was like, wait, how involved were you with your kids? Like, (laughs) do your kids all hate you? Because that to me is a huge red flag, right? No matter what the reason is, right? When when your kids clearly don't like you. Right. And And not just one of them, right? Yes. Multiple children don't. It's like the problem may be you. Right, right. And so, yeah, I I, I agree with that. I mean, it's like – I mean, we've because we've also seen other people who kind of brush those things aside where it's like, well, yeah, that was before. Now he's different. Now he's the person I fell in love with. And now I just love him so much that he can't possibly have been like that. And it's like, what? Yeah, they kind of are. <laughs> That's yeah. who, they, who they are. Yeah. All right. So let's go on. And I'm going to talk about Brittany and Kirok. Um, so Brittany is showing off her real deal bed. It's complete with a lighted headboard. Oh, God. So I've had headboards, never had one the headlights on it like that. Well, because I feel like that would disrupt your sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what it was. It was like, I don't know. But it would enhance your bedroom life. Yeah, so I was like, this is where the magic happens, depending on what you're primarily (laughs) buying your headboard for. Um, um, So anyway, she's she's taking things. She's she's taking things month by month, money wise. It seems like she's renting this bed. Um, Oh, God. Yeah, it sounded like it was a rent-a-center type thing. And because her friend who was there, uh, Shayla, was like, how are you affording this? She was like, well, you know, I got to do things month by month here, but... Nobody wants that bed used. No. Well, yeah. No. So, no. Anyway, so her friend Shayla's... I don't know if it's the mattresses necessarily as much as the bed, but they're helping her unpack uh, because... No, I don't want any part... A light-up headboard? Who knows where well, that's been? Uh, yes, I would assume people put light-up headboard. I don't know. If it was a light, yeah, the light up headboard that's used, no, I'm assuming there's some that. freaky, there are some freaky things that happen with that headboard yeah, for sure. I don't sure. want that at all. Okay. 
Point taken. But her friend Shayla is there helping her unpack. And this is like a really big life change for her because this friend knew her back when she knew Brittany when she was living homeless and like sneaking into laundry rooms to sleep and stuff like that. So Brittany gives us a little more background about her life and she tells us that her parents were strict. So when she messed up, she left. Although I didn't not really wasn't really clear is it like, oh, she messed up. So her parents kicked her out or she was like, screw these people. I'm out of here. Like, I'm yeah. done. Um, so once she was on the streets, then she got by any way she could. Stealing, selling drugs and, of course, doing the robberies that ended up landing her in prison. So then they switched – they, meaning uh, Shayla and Brittany, switched to talking about her relationship with Kirok, which in her opinion seems to be doing really well, well enough that – they're talking about babies like very soon, like not even the idea of babies. Like she's been doing some research about what they can do. So the idea would be for her to carry the, a baby that was made from Kirox eggs and a sperm donor. So that way they would both have like, you know, things going on in the, in the pregnancy. So she's planning on breaking all this, like the baby thing, marriage thing. I guess not the marriage thing, but the baby thing. Um, to her family once Kirok is out and they can sit down and have a face-to-face. So the other thing that their family doesn't know is that Kirok is transgender. So she thinks that's going to just like confuse her dad. And But her mom's the one she's more worried about being harder to please. So whatever happens though, and however things happen, it's going to be a pretty big surprise because she really doesn't talk to her parents at all now. And um, Shayla's like, mm, maybe do that. Like it might be easier to like reconnect and have some sort of relationship building going on before you, you know, just jump in with like, oh, here's the trans man that I'm marrying and having babies with. Like, um, but Brittany's like, nah, that's not how we do it in our family. We just <laughs> no, nah. So when Shayla leaves, uh, Brittany realizes that, oh crap, I had a video chat appointment with Key Rock and I've missed all but like the last 10 minutes of it. So she gets on and or she calls him and that's and and ugh, there's only three minutes left and she tries to say like it wasn't my fault and he's not buying that. He's <laughs> like, How is it not your fault? You exactly. set an alarm and call. Um, so he doesn't want to hear it. It's definitely your fault. Now she's worried that he's not going to want to show for the uh, for the next visit they have like tomorrow. I mean, so oof, like I guess I don't understand. Maybe you can kind of get into Britney's mind a little bit because in the interview when she missed the call she was like wow that would suck being in jail and you know waiting 20 minutes just for somebody to kind of you know mess it up she's like I I get why it sucks for him so much Mm -hmm. right but then when they talked she was very defensive like what was that about why didn't she have any empathy at the time (sighs) she just reminds me of like you know students Students pull this crap all the time, you know? It's not my fault I didn't do my homework. Well, why didn't you do your homework? Well, Mm -hmm. I had this and this and this and this and this. And it's like, those are all reasons, like, why it would be challenging. But it's Mm -hmm. still your fault that you didn't do it, you know? And it's just like, it it really, to me, knowing that her mom is really strict, it does not surprise me that that is her first reaction. I feel like it's people that are like just have this weird like anxiety or fear of getting in trouble. They're mm, the ones who get mm-hmm. very defensive like right off, you know, the bat. And, um, you know, when she thinks that she's going to get yelled at by Rock, it's like her first thing is like, I got to like get myself out of this. And so, you know, and it's not to say that he was yelling, although you could tell he was very angry. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's not that he was yelling, but it's like y- the first reaction is. 
let me get myself out of trouble. And so being defensive is like kind of the thing. I feel like people kind of grow out of it a little bit because they start to get a little bit more chill (laughs) and realize like, okay, well, what's the worst that could happen when I'm in trouble? But we got to remember these kids are like 21, 22. They're young. They're young. Right. And what's it's very much just like I have enough confidence. And part of it is I as an adult who's well established and things, I have enough confidence and I'm like, yes, I make mistakes, but. I have a history of – I have a background history of not making mistakes that show you that it was a mistake and I can own up to it and not just be like, well, but, 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 but. Like it's not my fault. It's uh, it's not my fault. It's an especially infuriating thing to hear because it's like (laughs) – Oh, it annoys me so much. You set an alarm like – Yeah, yeah. When students come up with crazy crap like that, you know, I usually tell them, I was like, I don't care the reasons why, you know, like I'll sit there and listen to like their excuses, but it doesn't change anything, right? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, you still didn't do your homework. So I'm sorry. Like I, (laughs) I, I get that you have some very good reasons why, excuses why, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. change anything. And I'm usually more, I'm usually more like amenable to the students who like the day before, like, oh, yeah, listen, Mr. O, like, ahead. I got all this stuff going on. Like, is it possible that I could turn this assignment in the next day? I promise I'll blah, 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 blah. Oh, and they're proactive absolutely. about it. Then I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, I see that. But it's but if they don't do anything or say anything to you until you're like, where's your homework? And they're like, well, what happened was, and you're like. Oh. Okay. It's <laughs> even worse for me, I feel like, because the only time I get approached is after it's in the grade book. And I don't grade everything immediately. Oh, so we're talking like oh, a week geez. or two. And the only reason why it matters to them then is because they see immediately how it is affecting, negatively affecting their grade, having a missing assignment in there. That's mm-hmm. when I hear the excuses. And it's like, yes, I agree with you. I am much more willing to work with the student when they think ahead. And even if it was like the night before and they sent me an email, if it was due like, you know, the next day, I'd be much more willing, even though I didn't get the email right away, at least knowing that they tried to get it in before, like during the deadline, they were aware of the deadline, you know, things like that definitely Mm -hmm. goes a long way as opposed to the student who just didn't do it. And now they're trying to do damage control after the fact. Oh, yeah. After their grade gets hit with it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I had I had one this 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 year. It was like at the end of every single quarter. Would be like, oh, here's all the stuff. I, I I swear I turned it in. I must have been sent it to the wrong email. And I'm like, <sighs> this is the third quarter you've done this, man. Like you didn't send it to the wrong email anymore. Like, <laughs> right, right. But yeah, it's it's all about excuses. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, let's talk about like the whole baby thing. <sighs> yeah. Uh, they are super young. I am kind of surprised that Key Rock is on board with it because it sounds like this is like being completely driven by Britney. Mm-hmm. But Key Rock has to do more if yeah. if he's going to be the one like, well, because he's the one supposed to be like donating the eggs. And so and then um, uh, Britney is going to be the carrier. So the surrogate, as she said. But. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like the egg harvesting, I know from my friends that have done IVF, is no like, that's the worst part of it's, the whole process. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that it's worse than worse than the part where you give birth. Um, oh yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they're sharing uh, equally. Yeah, yeah, fair. The, yes, fair. the egg harvesting is is no walk in the park for sure. But like, I don't, I don't know. I just, I think it's very, very soon for them to be jumping on the. 
baby thing, not just because they're young, because I get where she's coming from. She wants to have a bunch of them, right? She wants to have a ton of kids, which is like, well, if you want to do that, you need time and you need to be kind of young to start. And if you can, you can. What I don't get is, like, I feel like this is one of the prime prison talk, like, candidates we've had. And especially this time, Mm -hmm. like, Kirok's never been outside of prison and presented as a man before. Interesting. Yeah. Right. So as as much as all of a sudden we say, you know, they say they say some one thing in prison and it's like one thing in prison and then they get out in the real world and things are like, oh wait, no, I have time to think about up time and effort and places to do other things besides worry about when the next time I'm gonna talk to you is. Right. Right. Yeah. And so those all get distracted. I mean, this is definitely gonna be a bigger adjustment in terms of getting adjusted to the real world, like yeah. than and anybody we've ever seen, I feel like. Right. It's a huge stressor, like adding a child into all of that, like a responsibility. Like, and I think one of the things that we really commonly see with a lot of these uh, prisoners that get out is that, you know, it's the taste of freedom that really Mm -hmm. changes their mindset a little bit, you know, and then it's like, okay. uh, And then they really, really seem to buck against anything that is like taking away any kind of freedom and kind of like having to check in, you know, like uh, be somewhere when you say you're going to be there, you know, like have a job, have more structure. It's like, I'm sure they're used to all those things when they're in prison, but it's like when they get out, that's the last thing they want to do. And so add a child onto that. That's basically like, you know, built in responsibility. So I I just yeah, I just don't see that as being something that's going to be a welcome change for Kirok. No, I mean, I can't. No, it's because especially because we kind of end up with that teenager mentality when people get out Mm -hmm. of prison. Right. The age you go in is the age you come out. Right. Yeah. And then I definitely think adding on to that because I've heard from a lot of. I've heard from some of like the trans women that I know that talk about how they like, you know, when they transition, they're like, I had to figure out how to dress and how to put makeup on and like everything yeah. else that all the, all, all these, all the other women who are my age figured out when they were 13, right? Yeah. I got to, I got to figure that all out now when I'm however I, old I was when I transitioned and like that on top of getting out and then just, it, it seems like a bad time to add an unnecessary stressor of a child because a child is the most stressful, maybe all three of those things. Oh, right. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, arguably, though, it's probably easier to figure out being a man than a woman um, just because you don't have to worry about, like, makeup and fashion and things that, you know, people associate with, like, feminine. Ostensibly, you know? but I feel like there's a lot of things that he's probably spent his whole life being like, oh, I can't wait to do that with, the like, the guys and, like, do that guy thing, you know, like, that he – is going to be able to like fully embrace now. Like I feel like sure. the freedom, the freedom to do that is going to, is going to make that heightened any, you know, that heightened taste of freedom more pronounced. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move on to our next couple, Letitia and Keith. Keith is seemingly avoiding Letitia's question about whether or not he slept with her coworker. Letitia knows that calls have been known to randomly drop But this is a convenient timing, the fact that he got cut off. She repeats the question after he calls back, and Keith tells her that it's her friend, so she should ask her. But then he eventually says no. So I don't know why he decided, like, to try play coy 
when the answer was really no. But anyway, <laughs> right. that was mm-hmm. annoying to me. Letitia then asks what his type is, and he says, obviously her. Letitia knows that Keith has had other girls talk to him while he's in prison, but ever since they've been married, Letitia trusts that it's just been the two of them. She is excited that Keith might be released within the year, and she can't wait to grab that anaconda. Keith is meeting with all the employees via phone call in what could be described as a montage of awkward awkwardness from flirting with employees to having no clue what the hell is going on (laughs) during a commercial break segment. Letitia is going to talk to her lawyer about bringing Keith into her business. Letitia tells Arthur, the lawyer, about wanting to expand the business and bringing in her husband, Keith, as an advisor. Arthur says that as a licensed tax professional, she can't have any convicted felons working for her. But she's trying to defend her decision, saying that his crimes are drug-related and not financial in nature. But Arthur argues that he's involved in conspiracy, which is financial. He thinks she runs a huge risk of liability to have someone involved with a financial crime involved in her business. And Letitia argues that it's unfair to hold something against someone who has spent so much time in prison paying for their crimes. Arthur points out that it doesn't matter what is fair. It's a matter of legal or allowable under her license. He tells her that she runs the risk of losing her license and possibly being held criminally liable if things go wrong. Letitia is still arguing that drug offenses are irrelevant to finances, and Arthur's trying to lay it all out there, like, tough love. Thank you, Arthur. Well, mm-hmm. Letitia is starting to consider, well, maybe this isn't a good idea. Letitia thinks maybe she should start a new business with Keith, separate from her finances, and they talk about having a postnup agreement. Letitia is sold on this idea because she thinks it will protect herself and her kids. She just hopes that Keith doesn't take it the wrong way. All right. So, okay. I'm sure this was filmed in like a really random order. Um, the For sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, Keith trying to, you know, like be one with the business and get to know her coworkers before Letitia like talks to the lawyer. Do you think Letitia's actually going to listen to Arthur? I, I, I don't know that she has much of a choice um, right. in terms of, of this because it is one of those things that's like, I don't know what his because he talked about the fiduciary duties a lot, right? Yeah. I don't know what his duties are, but does he know now that she told him? Like, yeah. is he under obligation to be like, or oh, will he lose his license if he knew knows this felon's involved with their business and doesn't say anything? Right. Like, Interesting. Yeah. Like I don't know. Um. So I, I I don't know that she has much of a choice because it's literally putting her entire business on the line. Like, yeah. Entire business on the line, and not like in a way where like, oh, you know, swing big, take a risk. It's like. It's literally like, we're going to try to do this illegal thing and just hope we get away with it for as long as we can. Like, oh, that's yeah. not a viable business strategy. Well, you got to best, like, you know, hope that you don't disgruntle an employee who's going to report you to. You right. Know? Oh, and yeah. Because they'll do it real fast. Right. And if he's supposed to be in a supervisory role, that is, you know, I feel like you can't be effective as a supervisor, you know, if you have to be people pleasing the entire time. Mm-hmm. Well, then, I mean, how do you even fire anybody? Like, right. You can't trust anybody you fire to not go blow the whistle. Yeah. Right. So it's just it's it's not a viable business thing, let alone like we definitely didn't see anything out of him in these like weird mock interviews they set up <laughs> over FaceTime like yeah. that that he is in any way cap- like knowledgeable about the business at all. No, like, he had no idea what was going on. He was asking them, you know, what their roles are. And he's like, uh-huh. And then there was some weird flirting, like, 
at the, yeah. the first one you saw, you're just like, what is going on? Right. And I just, I also just love the idea that Letitia was this like drug dealing. That doesn't have anything to do with money. And it's like, it's why, like do, why think- do you think people sell drugs? What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and I get that she was trying to say like, it wasn't financial crimes, but I was like, right. it, it is because if you're successful at drug dealing, you're probably laundering the money. You're definitely evading taxes, <laughs> right? Because you're yeah. like, like they got Al Capone on and everything. Like there's definitely illegal things you're doing with the money after you obtain it in order right. to maintain the money. So yeah. yes, there's there's things there that are going on. But I could see maybe more her point, and I don't think this is Keith's case. If it was more like, oh, he got caught using drugs. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. If he was, if he was, you know, an addict, uh, addict or something, I mean, he was, but he was in jail for distribute for oh, distribution. Oh yeah, for like, sure. <laughs> That's not his situation. That is not his situation. Like I, I, I did really love, really love the lawyer guy. He was, oh, he yeah. was just great. He was oh, like, he was what's great. Fair. He's like, you're talking to a lawyer. What do you mean talking about what's fair? Like, <laughs> all about what's legal. She's like, it's not fair. <laughs> he was like, yeah, it doesn't have to be fair. I was like, yes, go Arthur, get her. And I do think like she really needed to hear from someone like an Arthur because he was mm-hmm. not sugarcoating anything. He was like, basically, he had this look on his face like, okay, idiot. Like, like are you what, not are you listening to yeah. exactly what I'm saying? He definitely had no nonsense like, wow, you're dumb. Don't do this. <laughs> yeah. He's like, this is. The dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, he was just like bad. And then, and then I don't know. I, I, it, it's, it's always interesting to me how much when they bring up prenups, postnups. In this case, the postnup. How much like the person who wants it, right? In this case, her. She's like, I need to protect myself. I need to protect my children. And that's what the lawyer said, definitely. Yeah. And she's like, Yeah, but it could protect him too. And he's like, <laughs> Sure. Like, yeah, like protect tell him yourself from, that. Yeah, yeah. Protect him from what? Are you stealing the money? You know what I'm saying? It's like, right. and they always bring that up with the other person. And like the person who has all the money is like, well, this is to protect both of us. And yeah. she, they're like, protect me from what? Like, what, what are you going to take You're all my no money that I don't and have? my nothing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is really true. But it is funny because you kind of have to sell it to them. You know, if you really want them to sign it, you got to yeah, sell it to them. So that's I, I how you sell it to them. I just think it was funny them. that she was selling it to – she was Arthur. getting – working to on Arthur selling it. Arthur of all people. He well, doesn't she, care. She was, I, I think of all people, she was selling it to herself. Yeah, that's well, true. Well, no, this is actually really fair because we'll be protecting both of us and both of us are protecting. Like she was like convincing herself by convincing her that it was also in his best interest as well as, <laughs> as, well as hers when he has like nothing. Yeah. All right. So speaking of people who have, you know, more and less than other people, let's talk about Jade and Chris. So Jade is feeling a call from Chris and uh, she kind of calmly asks why he was freaking out so much last episode when she was with her sister. So he blames jealousy, but uh, – and, you know, jealousy and that like, you know, I get jealous and then, you know, it did that. And she's she's like, yeah, but it's not all the time that you demand my – attention like that it's only when i'm doing something else that you like butt in and demand my undivided attention like only when i'm busy right so he says you know he doesn't want to be the person that has to watch doesn't want to watch her every move but i need the peace of mind that comes with never having to wait a few hours for you to respond to me so jade says that this is you know seems kind of weird to her not because it's necessarily weird that somebody's jealous but that because when they first started dating, he didn't do this kind of stuff. He was much cooler about it and he didn't always demand her attention at 
the most inopportune times before. <laughs> so she tells us that it makes her sad and upset that she can't that he can't trust her even though she is so loyal. So the gen tells him that her and Jess are going to come to South Dakota, which is where his facility is located, and he is super excited to hear that. But it seems like what Jade mainly wants is for Chris and Jess to at least hash things out to a way where they can like coexist because she get, is really tired of feeling like she has to t- choose between the two of them. Chris is basically like, well, that depends on her because I am fine with that and I don't think she wants us together. So he promises to be cool if she'll be cool. So Jade says that, it, you know, it's not going to work between her and Chris, even though they're already married, yeah. if he can't get along with her family. So then things quickly, very quickly, faster than I thought would happen, pivot to phone sex. Because it immediately is like, okay, what are you wearing? And it was like, <laughs> oh, that's where we're going. Okay. Um, and we see the beginning part of that. She like does a like sexy strip tease for him and she goes and changes into lingerie and then kicks the, kicks the camera crew out. So she tells us that the most they've ever done in, in person is, uh, is kiss and, you know, the other thing is that, like, no matter what happens, she's not going to, like, break up with him and leave him now, not with so little time left. All right. So that kind of leaves it with us. I mean, do you kind of – what do you think about Chris's idea that this is more Jess's problem than it is his problem in terms of the, not getting along with the family? Uh, I think he has control issues. Um, <laughs> I think it's only going to get worse when he's out of prison, um, mm-hmm. you know – because he's pretty much saying there's nothing wrong with what he's doing because to him it feels justified, right? And I feel like that mentality is like he's never going to change. And if he's not going to change, you know, I just feel like having more access to things like when he gets out, like I wouldn't be surprised if he starts to isolate her when he has more control over the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's one thing to do. It's one thing to kind of butt in and be, you know, oh, I just, I, I, I just, I just feel like you can answer the phone. It's not that big of a deal, right? Yeah. Because that's another thing that's very controlling. Telling her what what is and isn't a big deal, what isn't isn't easy to do, mm-hmm. right? He's like, just you should just answer the phone. It's not that hard. Like he says, that's he keeps repeating that. It's not that hard. It's not that yeah. hard. It's not that hard, right? And I just think that turns into when he gets out of him always needing to be there. When she's with other people. Right, right. No, and I absolutely agree. I feel like he's going to not let her out of his sight. um, And that's going to lead to isolating, you know, because if Jess can't stand him, she's just going to choose not to hang out with Jade anymore. Right. And and so will many people, for sure. Right. And so it's really a matter of, like, how much Jade can handle that. Can she handle, like, basically having her husband with her everywhere at all times? Or is she going to kind of put her foot down and be like... Listen, I'm just trying to get my nails done with my sister. Like, I don't need you to be there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I, I kind of I got to get the impression that she will probably be like that because mm-hmm. I don't know that she's a person who is I don't know. You know, I, I kind of get the impression that she's like part of what she likes about this deal now is that she has a lot of independence, a lot of time to herself. Yeah. And a lot of time to do what she wants. And then I don't see that going away because, yeah, that is awful. If you're like, I can't even go get my nails done without you like going and sitting in the nail salon staring right. at me. That's right. yikes. That's 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 smothering. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I just it, he's starting to raise some pretty red flags to me. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it, it it's going to come down to that money. Like, yeah. what is she going to put up with for that money? Yeah. So she might not have started off as a gold digger, but certainly looking like the profile of a gold digger now. Yeah. Yeah. It's like just, yeah, that's true. It's like maybe not a gold digger, but like a gold finder. Like you just <laughs> digging around, you found gold and it's like, but are you willing to give up the gold? But didn't dig for it. But yeah, now that you have it. What's going on? Right, right. Okay, let's move on to our new couple of this episode, and that is Savannah and Jake. So Savannah, 26, she's a director of operations for a performing arts company. Uh, We open on her kind of giggle talking through an audition. She feels like she really related to the material because her character breaks a man out of prison and then marries him. Savannah is talking about her relationship history, which consists of a lot of men dating her, then going on to marrying someone, the next person that they dated. She feels like she's never met anyone on her level until she met Jake. He's been in prison for 12 years for armed robbery. He was 18 when he robbed a weed guy, as she puts it. He still has five more years in his prison. Savannah reached out to Jake when she was studying a role about prisoners, and they have been talking ever since. Savannah says the best sex she's had is the phone sex she's had with Jake, which just makes me sad for her mostly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Savannah then (laughs) continues talking about her past, which includes cheating on every guy she's ever dated and just all around being a hoe. Her friend Shelby is shocked that they're uh, about their connection and uh, the fact that Savannah has been talking about wanting to marry him. Savannah gets a call from Jake and they talk about him not being ready to get married. Savannah says that she wants to celebrate a 50th anniversary with this guy. So that means they have to get married like now. Savannah wonders if the reason why he's hesitant is because of how his mom feels about her. There was a visit between Jake, Savannah and Jake's mom where Jake's mom judged her and said that she was crazy and basically not good enough for him. Savannah asks if his mom's disapproval is a deal breaker, and he says that he can't really predict the future or how his mom will feel about her in five years when he's actually released. Savannah is writing letters to the governor to help Jake get his sentence reduced, and she has enlisted the help of her friend, Sam, who she says is a mother figure uh, to her. Uh, Savannah wants to get other people to help as well, so she's trying to get Jake's aunt to help out too. But Jake's aunt is just not responding to her calls or texts, which is kind of unlike her. Savannah is starting to feel like his aunt is icing her out because mom doesn't like her. Jake calls Savannah, who is just crying because she's upset that his family isn't talking to her. And she says that makes her feel isolated. Jake says not to expect much from those relationships. He says his family acted like he died 12 years ago, and that's why he was angry when they first met. Savannah says that she will always bring up marriage to, like, you know, just chip away and to get him. It ends up that Jake's mom had met someone at a bar who spoke poorly of Savannah and said that they had met on Tinder and used to hook up. So this is the reason why Jake's mom decided she didn't like her because she thinks um, that they cheated because Jake's mom asked when the last time they hooked up. And he said recently enough where now they all suspect that Savannah cheated on him. Jake doesn't know, uh, you know, if she didn't cheat, but he's saying that he's trusting that she didn't. He says that the reason why he doesn't want to get married to her is because he doesn't want to feel tied to this place, which I was kind of unsure about what he was talking about. But, you know, 
I think he really just doesn't want mm-hmm. to. He thinks that she needs mm-hmm. to trust in the commitment that he's given to her already, and she can't force a relationship on someone, and he will not compromise when it comes to marriage. All right, so what was your first impression of Savannah? I thought she was all over the place, so I wanted to get your take on. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, well, they first showed us, they first showed her auditioning for a play, and it was a, it was a Shakespeare play, right? Yes. And I definitely feel like they wanted to be like, what a weirdo doing Shakespeare in the park, wacky. And I was like, <laughs> that kind of took me the wrong way because I really like going to Shakespeare plays in the park and stuff. <laughs> um, but like they definitely were were trying to portray her as Drama kind of nerd. a flighty person. And yeah, well, yeah, a theater nerd, right? Yes. And and how flighty she was and things like that. And I, I don't know. I think this is a, I don't know. I just mostly felt sad for her. <laughs> Like, and, yeah. you know, it, it goes with that. It goes with where we said, because you had said it, you had said you felt sad for her when she said, like, the best sex I ever had has been phone sex with Jake. Yeah. And I agree with talk- that. But then she talks about hoeing around. It's like, well, <laughs> like, that's what made me sad. It's like, well, you make it sound like you've had a shit ton of real sex. And then phone sex is the best sex you've ever had. Right. Which means that, which says to me, like, hey, I just, I'm like, oh, wow, you like either hooked up with like awful dudes who just suck at sex <laughs> or you didn't you hoed around a bunch and you only did it for them yeah right? yeah and you were only doing it for the this, and the only reason this is good is because the first time or one of the only times or few times that you feel like that you're doing you know the, the sexual stuff for you instead of for somebody else right, right? which always makes me feel sad for people yeah. when it's like wow if you're like because i have no problem with people hoeing around because that's what they want to do and that's yeah. what they enjoy and that's what they think more power to you that's fantastic but it makes me feel bad for you when you're doing it because you feel like that's the only way you're going to get anybody to like you or be with you or stay with you yeah that and that's that's and so that's where i was like and you that kind of constant searching for other people's approval came through in other ways too. Like right. why does she give a shit what his family thinks about her? Yeah. And you're right. And, you know, thinking about, she just seems really, really insecure. She seeks approval because I, I honestly believe that's how she's cheated on every single guy she's ever dated. You know, mm-hmm. if someone else is showing her a little bit of attention and if she's in a relationship with someone else, it's like that approval means something to her. So she's going to do yes. everything that she can to kind of keep that. Keep as much approval from right. as many people as she can. Yes. Right. Yes. And if sleeping with this person, even though I'm in a relationship, is going to make them like me more, then that's what I'll do. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 that's what it is because she is desperate for approval from his mom, mm-hmm. from his aunt. Like her friend flakes on her and she takes it completely personally. Right. Yeah. And it's and it's just like she just is such a people pleaser that it's making her life difficult. Like it's 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 kind it's like I said, it's kind of makes me sad for her to see it. It does. It does. Yeah. Now, I don't what do you feel like is Jake's real reason behind this? not wanting to talk about marriage or he not just doesn't commit want to marriage. To. Poor dude has been in prison since he's been 18. I'm sure uh-huh. he's like, well, I don't know what else is out there. Like, yeah, I really mm-hmm. like you and I feel really committed to you. But to me, like, if you were to, you know, talk to an 18-year-old, right? And let's say they've been with their person and they, like, really feel like they've met the person in their dreams. I 
I still feel like the majority of 18 year olds are going to be hesitant to make that commitment because there is that thought like, well, maybe there is a better match for me out there. I don't even know if it's a better match, but like, I don't even know if married life is the life that I want. Right. right? Sure. He does. He, yeah, he's fair. never had any chance to live any kind of adult life. Yeah. That's right? true so he too. doesn't, he hasn't seen anything or done anything or experienced anything. And just has to be like, well, I'm sure of it being married to this one person forever. And the way that she wants to do it is what I'm going to commit to now. So yeah, I think you got a point there. It's just, he, he doesn't, he doesn't have the context to actually commit to it. And I'm actually kind of, now that we're talking it through, it's kind of good on him to like more or less say that now and yeah. not be like everybody else who's like, no, I'm all in. This is totally it. This is it for me. I don't need anything else. And we know that's not true for so many of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he's just having a hard time, like really in his mind, like being like, well, what is the reason? So that's why he kind of talked circles around. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to think about, like, marriage and being tied to this place. Because he kept on referring to, like, I, I was assuming the prison. So I wasn't sure mm-hmm. if he was like, well, you remind me of the prison, so I don't want to, like, commit myself <laughs> to the good. prison. I'm just like, I, that doesn't make any sense to Always me. a good sign when you're comparing <laughs> your, your significant other to a prison. That's like, Right. Or, yeah, thinking green about flags. Right. <laughs> the institution of marriage is like a prison. Like, I, I don't know. But I mean, I don't I don't think he's wrong. And quite honestly, I feel like she should be more worldly to know, like, maybe it's not a good idea for this person who has been in mm-hmm. prison since he was 18 to get married right away. But I don't think she's considering what he wants. No, I think she definitely is like, well, I got to lock this down or he's going to immediately break up with me and marry somebody else. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like she just is so preoccupied with the things that have happened in her life. Yeah. Because sure. the whole celebrating your 50th, that is ridiculous to me. Like, that's the reason why you want to get married. Might as well just marry <laughs> the dude off the like random street who's like first guy who's willing. If that's like yeah. the ultimate goal. Yeah. I mean, it's. <laughs> It's one of those things that's just like, yes, I wish I could have done that. That would be amazing to celebrate my 50th wedding anniversary with somebody. I won't. I won't at this point, right? And that's just the way it went. Like it's one of those things that it'd be nice if it happened, but if that ship sails, it's not worth getting into a marriage that you hate for 50 years just so you can say like, we've been married for 50 years. Like if you only make it 48 years, but it was 48 happy years – that's probably better. Okay. So that's funny that you're like, oh, yeah, I want to – because I see it a completely different way. Like to me, like good on you for making it to 50 years. That's great for you. But like when I think about that for my own life, I don't want that. That is 50 years like is a long ass time to be with someone. And I don't know, there's there's got to be a lot of ups and downs and stuff like that. But I appreciate that, you know, I have spent as many years as I have like not have been with my partner. Right. Yeah. And if we have like I, yeah. 30, 40 years, like to me, that's like, that's good. That's a good run. Like, why does it have to be 50? That's so long. I mean, I definitely feel like there's two kinds of people who have been married for 50 years. And I've seen both of them is I've seen the people who have been married for 50 years and can clearly barely tolerate each other now. Mm-hmm. Like they nitpick at everything they do. They bicker the whole time. Like, and it's like, this seems awful. Why have you, why would I want this for 50 <laughs> years? Right. And then I have people like, I feel like, like my parents, for example, haven't been together for 50 years yet. 
um, but they're you know, Lord willing going to make it to 50. Like, and now they're both retired and they're both, and they both, I, both of them, or you were like, oh, you could hang out with anybody today. Who would it be? And they'd be like, well, them, like, this is, this is a, this is a choice. They're the kind of Pete's people. And this isn't you either who could go every day eating pizza because they like pizza. Yeah. Like, like yeah, why would I want, why would I eat something else? I like the pizza. Like, right. this is, this is good in my choice. And like, that's, if you can get, if you can find somebody who you like willingly want to wake up next to every day. And that, that the longer that can last, the better. That's okay. Fine. Well, like, I can tell you, my parents have been married over 50 years. And I would say that they're a funny couple, but I kind of see a lot of people. I think you miss this category of people. They're, a, they're the couple that can be alone together. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like they are perfectly fine being in the same room as one another, doing their own thing, you know? And I feel like that's how they live their life, alone together. They're under the same house, but a lot of times they're in like different rooms, you know? And they go out quite a bit together, but then they do their own thing. My mom gambles in a casino and my dad sits in the corner and reads a book. They do things alone, but together, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? So it's like... Yeah, they're like perfectly fine being in the company of the other person, but they also do their own independent thing. I feel like that's going to be me. Uh, yeah, I could. I mean, yes, I can see where you're coming with. Yeah. Coming forward with that. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, let's talk about my last person because this is the most explosive one. That's uh, <laughs> Renika and Asante. So Renika's mother, Sherry, wants to talk to her again about the situation, quote unquote, before she leaves. So Renika's getting ready in the bathroom for something, but, and she kind of, Sherry just kind of comes up behind her, but Renika is fine. You know, she's fine with talking about things as long as she's not going to, don't question what I'm doing. Don't question who I'm with. Don't say anything about me moving, which I think kind of negates the whole point of talking about what's going on. So Sherry says that she's seen Renika make some bad choices before with men, but nothing quite as bad as a cross, as moving across the country uh, to move in with someone that is just being released from prison. That's the, you know, the topper. So just like everything, everyone else, Sherry thinks that yeah, Asante might have other women he's talking to and might not end up treating her like the royalty, like she, like royalty, like she thinks she is because Renika is of course one of those kind of people that is like, I am a queen and you shall treat me as such. <laughs> so anyway, after that, it's, they kind of skip ahead and it's time for her going away party that she's having at the club. So she says that, you know, her friends are still coming out to, to, you know, say goodbye, even though literally nobody supports what she's doing with Asante. So there's a pretty weird mix of people there. There's like her mom, her sister, some of her mom's friends, the client that buys her eyelashes from the machine, <laughs> like a random mix of people. So the, her sister is back again, Shikola, and she gets drunk pretty quickly and starts talking shit about how she shouldn't be leaving and how she's just chasing Dick. And she says chasing Dick like a thousand times. She's like, she's chasing Dick. You shouldn't be chasing Dick bartender. Like, what do you think? You think she should go around chasing Dick for like, like, she says it so many times (laughs) and especially for taking the kids with her. So actually then the whole party kind of turns into everyone talking shit about her situation and how dumb she is. So Renika doesn't have, doesn't, get how many how they're so mad that she's with a convict because she's like you know that that comes up you're doing all this to be with a convict and she like pointing around being like you're married to a convict you're married to a convict you are a convict (laughs) 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 
And then it evolved. That just devolves into a bunch of like fuck yous and Rudy got to end up spraying a water bottle all over everyone before throwing them out and being like and just being like, bye, bitches. Bye. And then it, which I think is kind of funny because then they go to an interview and ask her about it. And she's like, well, you know, I really just was hoping that everyone was going to give our me and my relationship a chance. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that doesn't really go with the bye, bitches. <laughs> so anyway, now that she's kicked her sister out of the club, they keep having their argument through the bouncers. Like the bouncers are standing between them and their sister's outside. And eventually, Renika goes back in. And Shikola rants for a while before deciding that she's going to go back in, which I doesn't. I thought she got kicked out. I was very confused what was going on. <laughs> so at least some of Renika's uh, party is still in there when she gets on stage under as Big Diva. That's her rap name, apparently. And then she starts, as the captions put it, rapping indistinctly. <laughs> so she's doing her rap thing and she's surrounded on stage by just girls like twerking and shaking their booties at everybody like getting one dollar bills thrown at them and every and all that fun thing all those kind of fun things so even while sherry didn't sherry her mom didn't end up getting kicked out we see an interview from her from after the party where she says she just doesn't want bernica to make the same mistakes that she did so bernica end things by telling us she wishes her family was more supportive but you know you can't bring everybody with you to the top god um i mean <laughs> I just – I don't know if it's uh, like uh, – I, I, one part of me kind of thinks it's it's admirable that she is willing to do what she thinks is right, you know, in the face of all these people telling her not to. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, these other people are clearly right and she's clearly wrong. <laughs> so I don't know like what to make of Renika's stubbornness. But yeah, she's so stubborn. I, I don't know. I just – I – I feel like these – yes, everybody is right, but the fact that, you know, they've been in the same situation as her, it kind of to her is like, well, you made the same mistakes, you know? And so almost you would think it would be the other way around. It would almost give them more legitimacy because they've lived mm -hmm. through this scenario. But to her, it gives them less credibility and legitimacy because she's just like, well, you made the same mistakes, too. So, you know, but at the same time, it's like I feel like it's almost stubbornness against the family because she if she were to step back and be like, OK, these people have all made the same mistake. I'm just about to, you know, have a situation exactly like this. Maybe it's not going to turn out differently for me, you know, yeah. like I am uh, not the exception. I am the rule. Right. But I mean, she clearly doesn't think that. Like no. she clearly thinks no, she extraordinarily highly of herself and there's nothing that she wouldn't think, well, this didn't work out for anybody else. And her answer would be like, well, they're not me. So yeah. And, you know, and I feel bad for people who have that mentality because that is the type of person who goes into this relationship. And let's say it's awful. They don't want to admit that they're wrong because they made such a huge deal about how they're right. And so now they're trapped in this situation that they don't want to or shouldn't be in. Yeah. I mean, I, it's tough because, I, yes, I do feel bad for them in those circumstances. But this is also the <laughs> kind of person who ends up super rich. 
Right? Because yeah. there's like, that business is dumb. Why would you do that? Like everybody else who's tried that has failed. And they're like, well, they're not me. I'm going to do it anyway. And yeah. they end up hitting the, the business lottery and having a billion dollars, right? Like yeah. there's like, I feel like there's no in between. Most most people who have this kind of attitude end up in terrible situations. Uh, I, I don't know how, bl- how they justify it in their head or what they're blaming in their head. Yeah. But a few of them get really lucky. And like, and like, there's a reason I'm never going to be a billionaire oh, yeah. and it's because I don't think the rules, I don't think I'm the exception right. when things come around. I look at the odds and say, oh yeah, I'm probably going to lose my ass on this. Yeah. Right. Whereas somebody like her looks at it and says, oh, everybody else lost their ass. I'm special. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, and the thing with her too is if she didn't have kids, I would view the storyline very differently. Oh, uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. I would be like, yeah, you get it. Like you take those risks, you know, because it's like you're aware of the consequences of these risks and it's on you like to handle the consequences. But to me, it's like you're dragging the kids along with you. And so that's the part that's like, no, you got to view this differently. It's not just about you. You're making decisions for other people that's affecting mm-hmm. their lives. And that that to me is just like it's an unfair risk when you have children. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of wish and maybe we didn't see the part where they did. Mm-hmm. But I feel like her family comes at it at an unnecessarily combative way. Yeah. And it it just encourages her to not be like, wow, you make a good point. Maybe I should consider my kids. Maybe things might not turn out for them. But it's like, what? You can't tell me what to do. Yeah. Like, and she just gets defensive about it and like just digs her heels in farther. As her sister, especially. Because and I mean, and it's not that they didn't bring up. They're like, well, just leave the like her mom. She's like, just leave the grandbabies here and you can like do whatever, you know? So I feel like they were trying to throw in that their concerns were the children as well but you're mm-hmm. i agree like it just how they went about it it was just like yeah she's gonna dig her heels in and just because it's like she is trying to defend at least a portion of what you know a portion of it and that just means it's all or nothing right she wants to at least defend the decision for herself but you know her kids are kind of lumped into that so i don't think she's gonna leave her children with her parents or her mom anyway no, because that would mean like she would be saying that she was wrong, right? Like, and she's way too stubborn to like admit to that. Or, I mean, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to leave my kids alone with my parents anyway. I'm not going to leave my kids. That's like, well, yeah, that's true. Like, no. Plus, that's another stupid thing. So you're now compiling stupid things you're doing on top of one another. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, I think we've seen all six couples now. Um, We had mentioned last week that there was a six. We saw our sixth. Uh, So out of this group, who would you say is your student of the week? I went with Jade. I just think she, uh, you know, took the conversation they had last time and just took took her time and like, you know, revisited it when she was calm. And then, you know, was able to at least come to some sort of, you know, conclusion or resolution with that. I just thought it was a, yeah. you know, good way of handling something that is, you know, kind of touchy. No, I agree. Uh, I said Jade as well because, and, well, I think also she didn't have a whole lot of competition this week. Um, so, I mean, she's trying to work things out. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, and their arguments aren't like nasty, unnecessary arguments. I feel like their arguments are somewhat driven to at least reaching a resolution um 
and not like, just like harping on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the phone sex thing yeah. just kind of came out of nowhere, but I feel like it was their way of trying to move on. Well, yeah, he the she was like, oh, so make up sex now, and he was like, yeah, I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, what about your dunce? I said Andy, um, okay. just because I just I feel like he's lying and 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 trying to convince us and you know Brittany, his partner, that he's not lying, even though he clearly is, and maybe he's lying to himself more than anybody else. But I just think he, in this case, especially his attempts to make himself make her look like the bad guy was very just very left a bad taste in my mouth yeah yeah i agree but uh i actually went with renika i mean throwing water um fighting Mm -hmm. uh getting security involved like all of that i was just like that was just a trash-tastic mess yeah for sure for sure all right what about your life lesson okay so like this came up with I feel like especially with it came up with what's her face, uh, Savannah and Jake, and it came up with, um, you know, other people as well. Like it's if you don't actually resolve the issues when you talk or come to an understanding, then you can't just be like, why is this always coming up? Why why are we talking about this again? And it's like, well, because you didn't actually finish talking about it last time. Oh, and Renika right. as well, right? Why does my family keep talking about me like this is a bad idea? And it's like, because well, you haven't actually established why it's a good idea besides shut up, you're dumb. Like, leave yeah. me alone. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. My life lesson is um, inspired by Letitia, even though Letitia kind of got it at the end. If you're going to seek the advice of an expert or a professional, like a lawyer, for example, mm-hmm. um, you can't go in there like arguing with them. Like if you're seeking their advice, you should probably like just listen to their expertise. Yeah, that's true. I mean, in the end she did. So, I mean, it's, you know, she mostly listened to this, but it's like, why seek the advice of someone if you're like, nah, they don't know what they're talking about. I'm going to do my own right. thing. Well, I mean, th- imagine if you did that with like a plumber. You'd be yeah. like, actually, we need to change this drain out. Do you though? I don't think you do. Like, <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Why did you hire me? Just do it yourself. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. if you if you already have your own strong opinions in mind, like that makes mm-hmm. no sense. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, we will be back with this group next week. It sounds like because we have kind of a ish date for when love after lockup starts. They said in September. Yeah, but that generally means usually when they say a month, it's the end of the month. Mm, right. So I'm guessing September 22nd or September 29th. Because I was going to say, we're just getting started with this group. So yeah. I guess that makes sense. Seasons aren't too long, like maybe 10 weeks total. Exactly. So yep. we might get about 10 episodes out of this. Mm-hmm. That sounds maybe, about right. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Mm-hmm. All right. So, but we'll be back again next week because we're, uh, this is episode two. So our third episode will be next week. So we'll see you then. All right. See everybody then. All right. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye.